keep on kissing babies and hugging fat girls. Sell out full of suffering, suck attach, son. It's me, Austin. Oh, son of a bitch. What? It's me, Austin. It was me all along, Austin. And you teeth look like two tight too, Billy. And you book a match with me. That's right, Killing. Look at me. I'm a total package. I will rip him apart. I'm pissed now. Where to, Stephanie? <laughs> Wrestle Roasts on ad-free shows and ATC. Welcome, everybody, to Wrestle Roast. We got a doozy this week, the roast of Jerry the King Lawler. I'm here with Scott Chapel and Robert Karpolis, Mike Lawrence, Zachary Million. How are we doing, fellas? Boo. I'm well, I'm well, I'm well. Thank you. Thank you, Scott. Thank you. <laughs> Uh, for the real answer. Um, so yeah, we got we got we got the roast of Jerry the King Lawler coming up, but I want to thank all of our patrons. We just did the roast to Dave Meltzer. It was a blast. Uh, if you're not a patron yet, um, the the roast to Dave Meltzer's there right now, along with uh, the roasts of Teddy Hart and the roast of uh, New Jack. Um, just to give you guys an idea of uh, what's coming up on the show. For roasts, we've got next week Kevin Nash, then Macho Man Randy Savage, Batista, Sting, Rob Van Dam, and Cody Rhodes afterwards, which should be uh, should be a should be a lot of fun. And we're, uh, we're for- only roasting Cody Rhodes because it's good for America. <laughs> and for uh, for Patreon, um, this Monday we're gonna have our uh, WrestleMania Backlash video. Um, also, Robert and I will be uh, as a pr- birthday present to myself. Instead of uh, instead of reviewing Raw this week, we're going to be reviewing this week's SmackDown just because I need a break from Raw, guys. I know I've only been watching it three weeks in a row, but I, I need a break already. It's um, aged you 10 years. It's aged me 10 years. My, like, I, think, I feel like you've been watching it as long as I've known you. I mean, what I mean to say is you've been depressed as long as I've known you. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that's not not true. Um, yeah, we're, I'm, it's just tough to do the pod, like knowing you have to do the podcast afterwards. I think that that's the, uh, realizing you have to pay attention the whole time. That's the, yeah, it's the difference in reading, reading for pleasure or reading for school and and raw always feels like homework. I remember Dan, you were, you were at my place the night after the summer of punk. And, uh, that was when triple H hugged Vince and said, I love you pop. And the shitty thing is none of us can pretend to be nice enough to make the other person feel better. So we both were honest about how bad it was. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I'm hoping uh, that, uh, you know, uh, the SmackDown, uh, knowing my luck, this will be like the worst SmackDown of the year, but. Yeah, the theme will be raw. It's a raw themed SmackDown. <laughs> you thought if you thought Ron having three matches was too much, wait till you get five Reginald matches. Oh my God, dude! Reginald, uh, Reginald—they're really—they're—they're they're keeping up with the Reginald spots. Think of the millions of people who don't have jobs, and that guy is currently employed. Well, I love Reggie, man. Reggie's my guy. Um, no, he's fun. May 24th, we have an off week. May 31st is our Double or Nothing episode. June 7th, the roast of CM Punk and CM Punk's UFC fights, along with his uh, his, his his post-fight speech, the first one where he told everybody to follow their dreams. 
Then we got off week. Then we got money in the bank. Then we uh, have a special episode on June 28th, cast the Avengers, but with WWE, Mike and Robert are taking that over. And on July 5th, uh, he, he beat him, although it was close. Uh, we'll be doing the roast of Jim Cornette and not the roast of Vince Russo. I'm not sure what we're going to be uh, doing with that yet, but uh, I'm excited. And, and, and even bigger news, this SummerSlam, uh, the week of SummerSlam, we're going to be roasting the great one, The Rock. Zach, uh, if you could just uh, throw in some rock music right there. Uh, Rocky Maivia, not The Rock, just the original Rocky Maivia music. Uh, it's gonna be. It's gonna be. Yeah, great. you know what I would like to. What I would love to do for Cornette is, as a seven-year uh, former uh, McVeteran, uh, worked at McDonald's. I would love to analyze the Dairy Queen uh, call. All right, let's do it. We'll do that. <laughs> and uh, we got and just it. openly say how much PTSD that causes me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, because every day there was like a Jim Cornette for you, right? Yeah. Yeah, my boss was like a Jim Cornette, and then Jim Cornettes were coming through the drive-thru. <laughs> Every day, Mike served someone who probably would have let him Cornette fuck his wife. Fun of... <laughs> if, if I didn't have Jim Cornette to make fun of, I'd be Jim Cornette. <laughs> <laughs> um, well, I'm excited to roast the guy. Uh, I think he's still... He's, he's legitimately still one of the funniest people in wrestling. I mean, it's a low bar, but... Oh, yeah. Uh, another guy who's probably one of the funniest people in wrestling. Uh, not, uh, I guess I'm gonna I'm gonna kick off our bright side this week. We're gonna roast Jerry the King Lawler. So let's talk about all the stuff we like about him. Um, I'll start off. Great announcer. He was fantastic at the Bruce Pritchard roast. He was probably the best wrestler on the Bruce Pritchard roast as far as um, his delivery. And uh, I mean, yeah, that's about it. <laughs> really no no well, not- then he, i mean he was brilliant because he went up halfway through the show um just on stage like he was like a pop-in that they called out because we were told he was going to be on the dais then he just shows up does his jokes and leaves i think like you know like he looked at like me and you and everyone else and was like i don't need this <laughs> <laughs> It's good. He's to be saying a lot because he does left. indie shows weekly. <laughs> yeah. By the way, yeah, no. there was no way like that that was uh, any more depressing than the shows Jerry Lawler puts on every week in Memphis. No. <laughs> I, I I'm a Jerry Lawler fan. I I uh, I, I loved Andy Kaufman as a kid. Man and that's before the- Scott even knew he was a wrestler. <laughs> <laughs> Like Man on the Moon was a huge deal for me w- when I was a kid, um, and and I loved Kaufman, and because of that I loved Lawler, and also I think I think Andy Kaufman Jerry Lawler is technically the most famous wrestling feud ever. Um, I think m- more people knew about that than any than any I mean, Austin. Hogan Andre is probably more famous, right? I don't know, man. I mean, I think Jerry Lawler, Andy Kaufman is. I mean. I don't think my mother knows about Andre the Giant at all, can, honestly. Can we hear can we hear the REM song about Hogan and Andre? <laughs> That's me in the corner, <laughs> slamming the French guy. <laughs> yeah. 
everybody hurts. They wrote that song after Andre died two days after I slammed him. <laughs> they wrote that song as Andre walked to the ring. <laughs> I heard Hogan played bass for R.E.M. for a little bit. <laughs> Yeah, but I, I I think Lawler was like the first guy to have balls to say, hey, I'm going to like reach out like I'm, I'm going to cross that barrier with with the entertainment industry in a way that's like, you know, before that guys thought it was insulting um, to do that. And it was it was, it, it, you know, it was wrong to, to, to involve yourself with entertainment like that. And then it worked out great for Lawler. Uh, I think he was an awesome wrestler. Like I genuinely like watching. Uh, some of his old matches. Yeah, it's uh, much mess with Funk. There's a lot of really yeah. Fun. His match with Funk is insane. It's like, uh, it, I mean, I guess what technically it's the first five star match. It like broke the four star scale when it was still what Cornette. I, I don't know how it yeah. worked out, but uh, it's an that's an awesome match. His promos are better than almost anybody's. I mean, he's like a top ten promo of all time. Like, I mean, in terms of wrestling, Jerry Lawler is one of the greatest ever. Uh, Robert, what do you think about Jerry Lawler? Uh, I'm a big fan of Jerry Lawler. I can appreciate what his place is in wrestling. He was the biggest fish in a small pond forever. Uh, there are people, as I was, I was talking to somebody two weeks ago that I work with, and they were like, oh, I'm from Memphis. And I just happened to be like, oh, do you know who Jerry Lawler is? Like, holy shit, Jerry Lawler is like the god of Memphis still to this day. And this was a fairly non-wrestling person who's like to talk about Jerry Lawler you're basically talking about Elvis if he was still around in the in that world in that niche he was such an amazing baby face then came to the WWE and played that shitty heel character so perfectly um and if he it is was very underrated as a heel I he's think. very underrated as a heel and his work in Memphis if it wasn't for that we wouldn't have had Mr. McMahon because Vince That's McMahon true. went down to Memphis and basically invented the Mr. McMahon character for a little program he did with Lawler. I know. And I see those promos. They're hilarious. They were he's, really he's great. He's Vince is great. And it was really fun. And I, I mean, and Dan, we talked about this years ago when you were on my mm -hmm. podcast that I mean, I was a huge Andy Kaufman fan yeah. and the Andy Kaufman, Jerry Lawler stuff was, was so important to, to my formation as a wrestling fan and watching the specials about it. Uh, the Letterman clip was was so good. Those and it wasn't just a one off. I mean, Andy Coffin was for that era what Bad Bunny is now. It's a major top star who was there for weeks and weeks and weeks, built up feuds, uh, really enjoyed what he was doing and made wrestling mainstream. Lawler was also big because I, I remember when he showed up with ECW Arena. That was such a huge moment where there was that crossover between WWE and ECW. And he showed up and, and attacked Tommy Dreamer and drew all these eyeballs. And he was pretty crucial to the success of ECW because of that. That brought in a lot of mainstream fans. And then him introducing Rob Van Dam on Raw and giving him his Mr. Monday Night tag. Lawler is he's he's sneakily one of the most important people in wrestling. What yeah, was it like I, working with him? I'm sorry, Mike. Uh, go ahead. Uh, really easy. Uh, unlike his, uh, his broadcast colleague, Jerry was just, I'm going to show up, whatever you guys want me to do, I I'm happy to do it. And, and we'll, we'll go out there and he's a total pro, uh, couldn't have been, couldn't have been nicer. And, uh, his, his girlfriend at the time was uh, very, very sweet. I'm surprised he was allowed up that late. All right, come on. The rest <laughs> isn't, uh, the rest hasn't started yet. Allegedly, say, allegedly um... up that late. Yeah, I mean, the amount of contributions, it's like he created Kamala. 
because I know, like, you know, that James Harris was just like this, like, trucker character, Sugar Bear. Actually, I think the hearts and minds of everyone in Memphis created. (laughs) That's fair. That's fair. Um, (laughs) The Memphis children's nightmares. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I mean, um, even like, you know, like, uh, we interviewed Lawler for the, the Savage doc, and it was like, Savage, um, you know, had the outlaw promotion in Memphis with his dad, um, and also me. Don't forget me, Lanny. I exist. Um, and then, uh, you know, Lawler like recognized how great he was because I mean, that's like it's hard for indie people. Like, we've all done clubs where they won't let you do the other club because you're doing their club, but like Lawler saw through the outlaw shit and was like this guy's great and then just booked himself against savage uh what i heard about the 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 coffin thing is that andy actually shopped that to different promotions i think including um you know mcmahon senior and jerry was the one who like got it and was like yes this is awesome and I mean, you know, I think I think I could speak for all of us. A lot of his work is before our time, especially his 70s stuff. But that feud will last forever. Um, you know, it's immortalized in a great movie. Uh, the scene and did you guys ever see Jim and Andy, the, the yes. documentary yeah. about it? It's so funny when, um, you know, Jim Carrey in character keeps like goading him. And Lawler was like, you know, we were actually friends like. Lawler's having to explain what kayfabe is to Jim Carrey. Yeah, yeah isn't yeah, that the, the, him and him and uh, him and Andy Kaufman were like very close outside of? Yeah, I think so. I mean, and I think like he's also like I don't think he gets enough credit for this, but he is like a massive nerd. Like he owns his own Batmobile. You know, he is a comic book artist. Like, uh, and I think a lot of the sillier stuff in wrestling, the stuff that people say is Vince is sports entertainment. I think Lawler had a lot of that shit first. And, you know, you watch Memphis and in many ways it holds up in terms of like silliness and wrestling for kids in a way that like other promotions don't where they look more, you know, like the whole Vince thing is we took, you know, wrestling out of the smoky places and put it in arenas. Like that's kind of the product Lawler was doing. So I think he was really ahead of the curve in knowing what fans wanted and just being able to be an ass. Like, yeah, his heel run, like, I think that Bobby's still the best heel commentator, but he did a pretty good job of filling that that void. That's a tough void to fill. And, you know, I think uh, he, him and, him and Ross, it's like, that's a lot of people's childhoods. That's a lot of people's gorilla and bobby is you know lawler and ross so the, the the amount of longevity and the amount of different contributions is pretty incredible uh, I, i'm i'm really shocked that vince didn't um hire well maybe he did maybe he offered to have him head creative the whole time i'm watching memphis i'm like how was jerry not running the room at wwe because <laughs> jerry doesn't like to have to work if he can help it um he's one of the smartest people in wrestling because he knows like i'm going to show up i do exactly what i need to do get my paycheck and and go the the life of him he would not have done well on creative he does really well by just i'm going to do whatever i please even jim ross always talks about this where jerry wouldn't have vince in his ear 
and Vince loves to yell at every commentator. Lawler doesn't just doesn't listen to it. So he would yell at Jim Ross to, to rein in Jerry Lawler. And Lawler's like, I'm going to do, you know, whatever I please. And for and right or wrong, Jerry has his own code of morality. Like when he left, when they fired Stacy Carter and he walked out at the hottest time of wrestling, he missed WrestleMania 17 because it's like, you know what? You're going to fire my wife. I'm going to leave. So he's got his own moral code and has endured this whole time. And I want to just say a badass thing. I was at uh, New York Comic Con about a month after the uh, the heart attack, and he had a giant box of Church's chicken that he was eating. So, <laughs> God bless him. Can't know <laughs> someone that relates to his him. fans. <laughs> I love how you think that's badass. I thought we were gonna get like a tough guy story, and it's just badass is just not listening to doctor's advice. <laughs> yeah, that, that, yeah that's someone trying to make sure the next time it kills him <laughs> i mean it hasn't though but yeah you're right hey do you guys want to roast jerry the king lawler no yeah. i kind of don't no. he seems nice <laughs> uh zach uh who do you got first uh let's start with mike okay um today we're roasting that other king from memphis who will also die on a toilet jerry lawler He's from a different time when wrestlers look like your dad the moment your mom left him. <laughs> him and Terry Funk had an empty arena match, or as TNA calls it, every show we've ever done. <laughs> he had a legendary feud with Andy Kaufman. You could tell it was a long time ago because Jerry wasn't the misogynist in the feud. <laughs> He's a WWE Hall of Famer, a Wrestling Observer Hall of Famer, and the one WWE employee Drake Wirtz doesn't invite to his QAnon meetings. <laughs> <laughs> Jerry's proof you either die a hero or live long enough to get replaced by Byron Saxton. Uh, <laughs> it's amazing that someone can be as creepy as Ric Flair without the alcohol. <laughs> Jerry Lawler never drank, never smoked, never did steroids, never went to the gym. But if you want someone to get winded two minutes in and throw a fireball, he's your guy. <laughs> yeah, look, I don't want to get into all the allegations about him, but it is true. He is indeed guilty of bringing in Dr. Isaac Yankum. <laughs> Hashtag me tooth. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, he's an artist having illustrated multiple children's books because he's not even trying sometimes. Uh, his favorite tag team is the Junior Varsity Blondes. He looks good for 71. He's certainly aged a lot better than his commentary. <laughs> he's always worked hard, but not nearly as much as the Peacock interns currently coming through everything he's ever said. <laughs> Uh, he can still wrestle now because he's always had the body of an old guy. Uh, <laughs> he's always really mean to Helen Hart, but in hindsight, it was the only time he talked about a woman he didn't want to have sex with. <laughs> Even the way he talks about women is weird. Puppies! You want to not look like a pedophile, Jerry? Maybe don't compare tits to baby dogs. <laughs> it's so odd. He trolls over puppies for years and ends up fucking a cat. <laughs> Jerry almost died and they had to revive him he was right there in heaven at the pearly gates God was welcoming him welcoming him in and then he woke up so he could do backlash roundtables with Lita and Peter Rosenberg <laughs> are we sure he's not just in hell I think he's in hell <laughs> that's it for me 
Mike Lawrence, Thank everybody. You. Mike Lawrence. That's great. That's great. Uh, Scott. All right, here we go. I thought you were about to do a new day thing, Scott, the way you just said that. You, oh. <laughs> no, man, that's just how I talk. Don't uh, you dare be sour. <laughs> <laughs> Jerry Lawler. Uh, Jerry Lawler calls boobs puppies uh, because he thinks women age in dog years. <laughs> <laughs> she's 42 no jerry she's six <laughs> jerry's the king so he can appeal to girls who still want to be princesses he's cool in the way fonzie was cool right like like in the way danny zuko was cool you know the kind of cool that makes you say hey he's too old to be at this high school <laughs> <laughs> another memphis icon jerry lee lewis married his 13-year-old cousin, 13 years old, uh, his cousin. After hearing the news, Lawler said, his cousin? That's gross. <laughs> uh, he had a heart attack in 2012, and he was clinically dead for 30 minutes. Uh, according to his lawyer, that technically makes him uh, nine years old now. If it was 2012, that was a rebirth if he was dead for 30 minutes. <laughs> Uh, in turn, it is not Jerry Lawler who has broken the law, but in fact, the young women who seem to be instigating someone who, by all means, should be in the fourth grade. Uh, he owns a Batmobile to ensure he's like the coolest boy on the playground. <laughs> That's right, girls. Tommy's Batman pajamas can't compete with this. <laughs> Lawler hated ECW because barely legal was his thing. <laughs> For a moment, he teamed up with two midgets uh, so staff could stop asking why people under four feet kept leaving his hotel room. <laughs> JR could never be canceled for what Lawler said next to him on commentary because half of him was frowning during it. <laughs> Jerry Lawler's current look is redneck appropriating the Jersey Shore. <laughs> He looks like if the Pillsbury Doughboy owned a beeper. <laughs> he looks like Joe Pesci if Goodfellas was the name of a good of a male strip club he managed. Uh, Jerry Lawler's face looks like a pig's asshole. <laughs> he actually treats women really well uh, when compared to other kings in history. His look is Baby New Year but aging. <laughs> And finally, if you think your relationship with your dad was tough, when Brian Christopher listened to Cats in the Cradle, it sounded like Harry Chapin was listing his father's credits to him. <laughs> Little boy blue and the man on the moon. <laughs> when you're coming home, dad, I don't know when. All right, that's my time. Oh, Scott Chaplin, Scott Chaplin, anybody? Robert. Uh, the roast of Jerry Lawler. Jerry Lawler is the most famous person from Memphis to have not killed a civil rights leader. <laughs> Jerry Lawler has had more kids on his lap than Santa because Santa isn't real. <laughs> Jerry Lawler owns a replica Batmobile. He was always a big Batman fan, mainly because he wanted to learn how Batman could hang around Robin without anyone getting suspicious. <laughs> Lawler had a heart attack in the ring during his match with Dolph Ziggler which was the last time anyone felt anything during a Dolph Ziggler match. <laughs> Jerry has always been drug and alcohol free, mainly because all of his money is tied up buying candy for his windowless van. 
Jerry Lawler has not aged gracefully. He looks like E.T. with a dad bod. <laughs> Jerry Lawler chose his king gimmick because he thought it gave him sovereign immunity. <laughs> he was known for his raunchy commentary, which he was happy to tone down when the product went family friendly. Plus, the TV PG rating meant his girlfriends could watch. <laughs> Lawler's girlfriends are so young, they think Jim Ross is a podcaster. Jerry Lawler wrestled Andy Kaufman. He was pitched the idea of beating up a famous Jewish comedian, to which he replied, you had me at Jew. <laughs> Lawler would never admit on TV that Brian Christopher was his son, an involuntary reflex from years of denying paternity tests. <laughs> Jerry Lawler ran for mayor of Memphis, promising to get people like him off the streets. <laughs> Lawler was inducted into the WWE Hall of Fame by William Shatner because Jerry was a lifelong fan of Tech War. <laughs> Last year, Jerry Lawler celebrated his 50th year of being an active wrestler, which is a heartwarming reminder to all wrestlers to please save your money. That's it for me. <laughs> oh, that's great. All right, here I am. Uh, Jerry Waller held the book in Memphis because he was the only one able to read it. He booked Memphis the same way Ambien books Jeff Hardy's dreams. What if Jason fought Santa? Whoa! He was a world champion in Memphis 58 times, which sounds like what Vince will be forced to book when he finally gets to hell. Uh it's amazing how big of a star Jerry became despite looking like Napoleon Dynamite's grandma. He's the... Oh, boy. My dogs are going nuts. Puppies! <laughs> Puppies! Holy crap. Here, one second. Quick, get him in Lawler's van. <laughs> No, nobody's here. Literally, nobody's here. All right. Um, That's like our Patreon. Set live from the kennel in a cell. Okay. Jerry's the single greatest argument against hashtag free the nipple. <laughs> uh, he was attacked by the fiend Bray Wyatt. The fiend is who you think is in your kid's closet before you realize it's Jerry Waller. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not saying Jerry's a pedophile. I'm just saying he thought the song Walking in Memphis was about beating sodomy charges. <laughs> <laughs> Jerry the King Lawler got a heart attack during Monday Night Raw. Well, actually two strokes, but there was a commercial break. <laughs> <laughs> the feud between Jerry Lawler with, and Jake the Snake started when Jerry accused Jake of being a drunk and Jake accused Jerry of stealing his dad's gimmick. <laughs> oh, he briefly wrestled at excitement with an X wrestling federation which sounds like the name of the operation the FBI used to entrap him <laughs> uh, I don't know if you've ever seen his Wrestlemania match with Michael Cole but it had the excitement of Mo and Mabel fighting over the last pair of New Balances <laughs> I hate the title man on the moon man on the moon sounds like something Jerry booked in Memphis when Leatherface canceled <laughs> say what you want about jerry waller but he almost worked me into thinking andy kaufman's funny <laughs> and, <laughs> and finally 
Imagine being molested by Jerry Lawler versus being molested by Michael Jackson. I got to go on a Ferris wheel. Oh, yeah? I got to meet Big Cass at a bowling alley. (laughs) (laughs) All right, folks. That was the roast of Jerry the King. All all allegedly jokes. All those jokes were alleged. Allegedly jokes. Allegedly jokes. Did I just cover us legally? Yeah, we're good. It's time for this week's edition of Show in Hell. We're going to keep on Jerry Waller. This, you haven't seen it, is the famous Eddie Gilbert pro promo. Doug was around. Gilbert. It it's the Doug, Doug Gilbert, Gilbert promo. Doug Gilbert, I'm sorry. Uh, Doug Gilbert promo where he calls, where he accuses Jerry Waller of raping a 13-year-old girl. Um, it's, uh, it's a rough watch, man. I mean, the best thing about it is... Uh, I mean, Doug Gilbert's jacket is awesome. He's got the Ribera jacket, which I'm always kind of excited to see. But uh, you don't have to do a bright side of this segment, Dan. (laughs) (laughs) The bright side of this segment is this is why Vince scripts every promo ever. (laughs) Uh, Because the thing is, up until he got to that point, it was a pretty shitty promo. Doug Gilbert clearly was not prepared for what he was going to say. And he's attacking Brian Christopher and he was trying to do a pipe bomb. It was like, you know, I, I you want to know why Brian Christopher's champion? Cause his dad books the territory. Oh, I'm not supposed to say that his dad's Jerry Lawler and he runs the place. And then it's like, Oh, by the way, the producer smokes crack. And that wasn't enough. And he's like, I'm going to, I'm going to raise the game a little bit. Was that like, true to the producer smoke crack? It was a crack pipe bomb. <laughs> no, I mean, I read that article you sent me, Mike, and I, I didn't see whether or not. Oh, Randy the David Hale, Shoemaker, well, friend of the show, wrote, but yeah. So a, a little bit of, of context for this, if if I may, is that um, this promo killed the promotion. Uh, <laughs> it got them off TV. Uh, the guy that interviews Doug Gilbert was the weatherman at the local Memphis station, and is still the weatherman. Randy Hales, who was yeah, accused of, of smoking crack, um, became the manager of a Sonic drive-in. So that was definitely true. Uh, <laughs> and then um, what's, what's amazing, so the reason that Doug did this is because when he was in Japan, um, where he got that sweet-ass Barbera jacket, um, Brian Christopher and Spellbinder, a.k.a. Uh, WWF's Fantasio, um, were cutting promos on Doug and Tommy Rich, but then they did a segment where they played Doug's parents, uh, Tommy Gilbert and whatever the mom's name is. I'm just blanking right now. And that's what pissed Doug Gilbert off. And so to retaliate, he did that. <laughs> <laughs> he brought a fucking nuclear reactor to a knife fight. Yeah, and what's amazing, but you know, like, there's a lot that's wrong with this on every level, but the fact that I think his name is Dave Brown, the, the interviewer, the fact that he had already said like the, the, the crack pipe thing. And I mean, the, the Lawler Christopher thing, you know, which whatever, uh, but then he gave him, and he even said, he's like, all right, but you better watch it. And then he gave him the microphone again. <laughs> Yeah, well, that guy clearly didn't give a shit. I mean, that my, he probably was my favorite part, the, the guy that was uh, the weatherman guy, just because, like, he clearly does not, like, like, it's fun when you see somebody who clearly hates wrestling working in wrestling, and, and he definitely fit that mold for me. Yeah, well, I, you could tell it's like, 
a lot of those old school like dudes. That's what they they were the weatherman or radio guys, and then they're like, I talk about real things, but I guess I'll do this too. Yeah. Again, I think the thing that upsets me the most is the promo isn't even good. And that's the part of it that's kind of upset. Like they gave him TV time and this promo was, was desperately going nowhere. And he just tried to pull this out after they let him ramble for like four or five minutes. And uh, Doug Gilbert is still super over in Memphis. Not that that's going to come up later in the show or anything. <laughs> and also, uh, now that's going to come up in the, later in the show, this wasn't the worst promo we watched this week. <laughs> um all right well i I can't wait so who's the guy who introduced him though that's eddie gilbert no that's tommy rich eddie gilbert passed away in 95 um he took the easy way uh, out yeah that was tommy rich and tommy rich was doing a shoot on how fantasia would be 110 pounds without steroids but everyone was like yeah probably it's wrestling if you if you (laughs) want if you watch it on mute it looks like the ugliest man in the world crowning the new ugliest man in the world. <laughs> I mean, when you look at like, introduce Tommy you Rich. to Doug Gilbert, the <laughs> ugliest man alive. Yeah. yeah, when you look at like Tommy Rich and, and Doug Gilbert together, it just looks like Fred and Barney escaped the tire fight. <laughs> man, yeah, it's, uh, it's, it's not the best look. Um, Doug's still anybody, a Tennessee seven. And, 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 and anybody have anything else to say about this segment? Well, I just love that people look at the, like guys like that. Like that's, that's when wrestling was real men. I'm like, yeah, real men and probably terrible dads. <laughs> <laughs> hey, at least now it's just terrible dads. We don't even have real men. <laughs> um, Zach, you got any, uh, you, you, you check out this promo? No, I didn't. All right. Next up, folks, Dynamite or Fizzle. Let's talk about last week's May 12th, 2021 edition of AEW Dynamite. Hour one, I'm just going to tell you guys uh, uh, what happened and then we can get everybody's comments. Uh, Nagata versus Moxley for the United States title. Cody, a Cody Rhodes promo um, where he announces his plans to fight a go-go at double or nothing SCU versus the young bucks in a career ending match where the young bucks go over uh, Mox and uh, Kingston destroy the elites locker room, Christian and Seidel out promo, nobody and pack versus orange Cassidy. That's our first, that's our first hour. Uh, and uh, we, at the very end of the hour, Kenny comes out with Don Callis. What did you guys think about this uh, first hour? Let's start with Robert. So this is one of those things where on paper, when Tony Khan laid out this show, it's a very strong hour on paper. There is a lot of of good stuff that was booked. The execution of some of it was kind of hit and miss. I don't understand why Moxley now comes out to wild thing, because now it just makes me think of Major League. Um, and then it makes me sad that I'm not watching Major League instead. It was it was fine that it was him and Nagata. They they did a nice job of building up the history of it. At the end of the day, it was it was a match. It was it was fine. Um, the Cody promo was on another level of I don't know what this is, but somebody needs to have an intervention with Cody Rhodes. Um, <laughs> he he suddenly turned into like Mister America. He was it was a civics lesson at one point. 
which was strange. Um, at one point, AEW, who keeps having these weird tech issues, like Spanish commentary started bleeding through. And I thought they were like doing that intentionally to be like, look how united we are as a country. Uh, and then at the end, I was disappointed it wasn't a flag match. I really thought that's where we were going. Uh, SCU and the Bucks was a hell of a lot of fun. As much as it, I hate to admit it, because the Bucks usually annoy the fuck out of me, the I'm sorry, I love you super kick spot got me. And I enjoyed that quite a bit. Uh, the shitty production thing that I will ding AEW for is you just broke up SCU, they're in the ring, and you cut to the back to Eddie Kingston and Moxley destroying the locker the locker room rather than giving that moment of the two of them embracing and instead showed it as a replay later. The whole point of breaking up a tag team that's beloved is to give the audience that emotional moment of, wow, this sucks. I can't believe we're not going to see them as a team anymore. This is really impactful. Um, Poor Christian that he left WWE and now he's in a meaningless battle royal on a pre-show for a pay-per-view. Uh, and then Orange Cassidy and Pac, I was enjoying it until is that unfortunately- the, Is that, that pre-show? I don't know if it's in the pre-show or if it's in the- I, I think, think it was on the pre-show pre last- Either way, he's he's in a the Andre the Giant Memorial AEW battle royal um, when he probably <laughs> would have been the guy facing Kenny Omega at Double or Nothing as the big massive star, but instead he's going to feud with Matt Seidel on Heat. Uh, and then Orange Cassidy and Pac, for Orange getting injured and them calling the audible, they did a nice job covering that up and making it seem like that was what was supposed to happen all along. So good for them on that. Scott, what do you think? Uh, yeah, I liked Moxley Nagata. Uh, Nagata. I like Wild Thing. I like the giving guys songs. Wild Thing is a cool song. Onita uh, used to come out to it. And everybody knows the words to it. And we're going back to crowds. This dude's going to walk out. Everybody's going to be singing wild thing. I mean, who has an issue with it? Does anyone else besides Robert have an issue with that? It I rules, did. I right? kind of like wild thing. On wild this thing's cool. I, yeah. I didn't love it. You didn't love it. Why, Mike? Because it doesn't, it just didn't pop. Like, it doesn't have a lot of energy to it. I think it's a great song. I just don't think it's a great wrestling theme song. Like, I even think Born to be Wild would be a much better wrestling theme song. It's just kind of like jazzy and goofy. Okay. Okay. I think it, I think it matches his movement. Think of how he walks, how cool he is. It's, it's, it's chill. It's yeah, okay. But it's, it's, it's a cool song in the way that Vince would think that's a cool song. Like, Oh, a hip young rebel. He's going to come out to wild thing. That's what the kids love these days. No, no, I disagree. I think it's smarter than that. And I think wild thing is, a, is actually a cool song that people look back on and respect. I don't right, think, but like, when you yeah. hear it, you, it has association with other stuff to me. All I think of is major league and it's very tough when yes, he comes walking you're out a comedy nerd though, you know? pretty well-known movie across the board it's not like an sure obscure... but people don't go wild thing and then go oh major leagues that's like a you like you you like movies you no, they know go like, like oh that's it's like... harold and maude no what do you <laughs> it's just it, i mean it, 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 like i'm the same way like you know like i can't listen to that one journey song without thinking of uh ronnie dangerfield dancing in caddyshack but it's not it's not like the general consensus it's just like oh that's a song and it's a cool one and i like it and, and we could talk uh, for another hour about that. But that ruled. I like the bow at the end. I think Moxley should fight more like this uh, in AEW. Like Nagata's like, faces were awesome, I thought. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. He did the little eye roll. The uh, Yeah, that and, was cool. And he should have come out to Inagata DeVita. If you're going to spend money on a 60 song, have Nagata come out to Inagata DeVita. <laughs> <laughs> it's not bad. And then, uh, oh, dude, did you mention the uh, – 
the inner circle promo. I think that's the we're gonna, well, no, no but they the, have one the in the backstage first thing backstage where, one, where, yeah, where they mention that. that Santana's not there because he he's in jail because he stabbed MJF <laughs> with a fork during the blood and guts match. Uh, that wasn't crazy. And they said that, that it was going to be the funeral of the pinnacle. <laughs> yeah, yeah. The Cody thing, I think, like, I want that to be an open discussion, so we'll talk about that. I, I don't know. Well, maybe. why don't you start it off, because I know Mike's got some opinions. Yeah, so uh, the Cody thing, you know, it, it. I still think Cody is just for that 50 and older crowd, and by that, I mean that's the only type of people who think that that's what America is currently. Uh, those people exist, but they're, they're, they're a little out of touch, and I can't knock him for for relating to many people who are out of touch. But yeah, I don't think like a, a, a country versus country feud is the thing to do right now. Um, you know, it's a little, a little, a little tone deaf. And delusional, Mike, you, obviously. Mike, what did you think about this? Where do you, where would you rank this among Cody's? Okay. And, 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 and Cody's self-important promos, where would you put this, Mike? I think this is one of the worst promos I've ever seen. Oh my god! Um, Come on, I mean that—that's not I, true. No, I'm gonna be the shit I'm that you made me watch on this. Oh wait, Lance, I'll do a Lance. Oh come on, Michael! <laughs> yeah. Oh come on, Michael! And here's the here's the thing: it was the fact that it was well delivered. It did have passion in it, like makes it worse because there was a great story you can tell here. Like the dude punched you in the stomach that's enough for a feud like the whole like explaining segregation like one like i just can't cheer for the white guy with the neck tattoo telling the black guy uh why america's great <laughs> i just think that that that's uncomfortable in itself like a go-go just isn't that guy to do this promo against like if it was like Miro, it makes more sense. But like, like a go-go, I read like he officiated his lesbian sister's wedding. If you go on his uh, Twitter, there's literally like in the last day, he's like, let's give it up for all the nurses who have helped out during COVID-19. <laughs> <laughs> like, he just seems like a good dude. It's also, yeah, but Mike, that was I, for I the know that British he's like nurses. trashed America. What's that? That was for the British nurses, not the American nurses. Yeah. He doesn't give a shit okay, about that's them. But, it, but it's like he's, you know, a go-go is with an American faction. He's with QT, and there's nothing more American than that. You know, like the fact, but, but let's just say this, okay? The fact that Anthony Agogo was willing to be in a faction with QT Marshall shows how much he fucking loves this country, okay? <laughs> <laughs> the sacrifices that that man is made to get on television. Like he's also, yeah, he's a legit boxer, an Olympic boxer who had to quit boxing because he was going blind. So now he's in pro wrestling. Like it's an amazing story and he's got a lot of charisma. I just can't buy him as the foreign heel. Like the whole, I'm going to be the American dream for one night. Like what's the difference between the American dream and the American nightmare? Cause it's not like he's a heel as the American nightmare in his own mind. About hundred um, pounds. Mike is the difference. <laughs> <laughs> That's fair. <laughs> you think he's going to bring uh, back uh, Sapphire? Uh, uh, a swimming suit uh, made of yes, polka Bra dots. Brandy's going to come out. Well, she's pregnant, so she kind of looks like Sapphire. So <laughs> you're, uh... <laughs> it just, I just, <laughs> I just feel like this was so, 
tone deaf and, you know, just empty. And it was just bad. And it's like, you know, there was that article last week from Deadspin about Cody fucking off forever. And I think this was his response, which was maybe I should. Because uh, <laughs> I don't I don't think that he's irredeemable from this. This is just not a good direction. This is just not fun it's just stupid like i don't i don't i don't want to watch a bunch of people in jacksonville like also if that that he's talking about it's going to be a full fucking arena during a pandemic still (laughs) for america (laughs) that but it's like i think that's how he knew how cdc just told us to drop masks right yeah Yeah, mike tony khan paid him off weirdo so the weird thing is now you're going into this match where it's a gogo's first match on a big platform so he can't lose but cody is fighting for america and if he fails to defend america like is this going to be the the start of cody's downward spiral heel turn that he was doing this for his pregnant wife and for his country and, he, and he's well, holding his gonna... dad's name it's like if you're stacking the deck for him to fail and then kind of break cody maybe you're telling an interesting story but it kind of feels like cody has to go over as the i'm fighting for america because you can't lose and be like hey you talk shit up my country but what a, what a good sportsman let's shake hands you, you also have to remember a lot of this pay-per-view and we'll talk about it as like the review goes along is it's so directed, it seems to be directed towards, hell, it's going to be a huge crowd and let's see what kind of pops we can get. Yeah. And this feels like a match where people can chant USA and feel like Americans <laughs> and we're finally in a full arena. And it's like Cody is trying to be a part of the of the America opening moment you know like it'll maybe it'll be the first match you know and it's USA USA and Cody comes out and it's like it's just fucking weird it makes me feel weird um but I I think it also works for a lot of people and I can't I I can't deny that just like it should have been a flag match they they dropped the ball but also I just don't like it storyline wise you go well you're feuding with QT what now all of a sudden it's a country thing it should still be that faction but now you're fighting a go-go it's it's yeah a go-go who is in a faction with three American dudes. And, like, and they're going to be in his corner. They're going to be in his corner. Yeah, it's, so yeah. Stupid. Yeah. it's also, can we just, can we just point out when he was talking about people who embody the American ideal, he first mentions Bruno San Martino, right? And then the second guy he mentions was Shahid Khan. Cause he's like a 16 year old man came from Pakistan to America with an idea for a bumper and is now like a billionaire. He's talking about the dad of the guy that's funding the company. It's yeah, he's I talking, mean, about, the he's boss. talking about the guy who's funding the company. <laughs> it's so just fucking ass kissy and just weird. Ugh. Yeah, we all remember the, those amazing Austin promos where he talked about uh, Vince Sr. and how his contributions <laughs> as an American. You know, it's, it's just such a weird move. All right, let's get to our two guys. Uh, we open up with Kenny uh, uh, finding out from Tony Schiavone that the uh, match of double or nothing will be a triple threat match for the AEW world championship. I'm not sure whether or not this was because of orange's injury or I don't know. I don't know. No, what Meltzer was. said this was a, originally the plan was it was going to go a 20 minute time limit and they were going to do the triple threat regardless. Uh-huh. So we just kind of got cheated a little bit out of it. Young bucks uh, challenged. SoCal uncensored, not SoCal. I'm sorry. Uh, uh, Moxley and Kingston backstage after Mox and Kingston uh, trash their, 
locker room. Inner oh, hold on, Dan, that reminds me real quick. Uh, Scott, what did you think of the uh, SCU match? Oh, I love it so much. I thought, dude, I mean, they need new producers. The, the way the commercials work are insane. There was a, f- a few moments in the show where I'm like, wait, during a commercial again? And it was so they, sloppy. Am they I the cut only so one? quickly to the back. It wasn't even a commercial thing. It was cutting yeah. to the back. They, I they cut that to the, uh, what I thought there was an emergency in the back and said it was they're trashing a locker room rather than giving those guys their hug that they earned. Dude, the only thing I could think, and they really need to start realizing this, I, this match was so good. It makes you go, the, the Bucks put on matches that you need to let, like, breathe a little at the end they're always so impressive even if it wasn't scu breaking up these matches are always so good you need a minute of like holy shit that was nuts i uh yeah i that's what i wrote i'm like i don't know a a better tag team ever than the bucks i swear i I mean at least who had better matches i just thought it was too over but i don't know i just thought there was too many high spots or i I turned into cornet during this match i just thought it was just like too much shit going on I, i i loved it and and then the you know the Pac. Um, this feud is like cursed, right? What what an unfortunate situation. I mean, I guess they could play on like Cassidy definitely shouldn't be in here. He he got knocked out, you know. But then I guess they they act like Pac got knocked out too, and it was just a mess. It's unfortunate. Uh, I'm not crazy about triple threat matches either. Yeah, but I think wasn't you, Scott, that said that you don't think that you think that the main event's going to wind up being the Britt the Baker match. match. So yeah. this feels like a good middle of the show kind of world title. Like this doesn't feel like it's closing the show. Oh, no, no, no. Yeah, I, I agree with you. It feels like you get, you know, Cassidy getting all these fun moments and cheers. You still get it. It's a completely satisfied audience. You have Omega basically wrestling two styles of matches, a humor match with Cassidy that everybody wants. And then you get to see some unbelievable stuff that he does with Pac. It's like this entire show is laid out to be a the crowd is going to go crazy the whole night. It's very like fan servicey to the point where it should just they should stop acting like any of these storylines completely make sense. Like instead of rushing them, just be like, this is a night for the fans. And that's why this triple threat match is happening, because you you would like it. That is Cody Rhodes cheesy. That was good. <laughs> uh, hour two, uh, we have uh, Kenny Omega uh, finding out that it's going to be triple threat match, double or nothing. Yeah, we have yeah. Young Bucks uh, challenging Mox and Kingston backstage with the inner circle, pinnacle, a uh, little bit of a bubbly bath, and uh, MJF challenging Jericho and the inner circle to a stadium stampede match. If the inner circle loses, they must disband. Uh, Britt Baker had a segment backstage with Jim Ross, Thunder Rosa versus Jasmine Allure, and Darby versus Miro for the TNT title with a new TNT champion, Miro, uh, with gear that matched the belt, which I thought looked fucking awesome. Uh, what did you think of that, this, Scott? Uh, yeah, the matches were great. These the segments, not so much. That that Britt Baker one was awesome, and, and, and I wish AEW did more of that, the, the, the backstage interview things. They feel like ESPN uh, realistic. It, it makes it feel like real sport. That inner circle uh, pinnacle thing was brutal, man. It's like, you know, a lot of people did not like blood and guts and they thought the end was super embarrassing. And then you do something even more embarrassing. They couldn't even get like a real truck that shot out beer. So they little rascaled it. It's like they got like, (laughs) it's like they got a lawnmower, like a John Deere thing. And then they hooked a hose up to the top of it. And then they put a trailer on it and that, 
it, it, it I thought that like super sucked and uh stadium stampede. Uh, you know, it dude, you're doing it in front of a live crowd. So, so again, here's what I think is going to happen or, or here's what I think should happen. You open the show with stadium stampede. You have it start uh, in the stadium. You have people watch it on the monitors within 15 minutes. It goes into the audience. You're for, you know, so it's like, symbolically it's going from taping without an audience to taping with an audience. What do we like think? That. that was good. But otherwise, yeah, I, I like that. I just, I'm, I'm that shit was trash though. Right. The, uh, the inner circle pinnacle thing. Yeah. Very I mean, bad. I just don't, it's just tough. It, it, it's always been tough. I mean, I really love the first angle when MJF revealed the pinnacle. I think that the pinnacle themselves, like, I think everybody's doing a really good job in this feud. I think the problem is that, it's 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 again it's i don't know man i just don't care about seeing mjf and jericho fight that's Dude, I, I guess that that's my they my, built my, up my blood and guts and they didn't build up double or nothing um every match on blood and guts was more built up than it feels like any of the matches on this besides bucks versus kingston and moxley mm-hmm. which, which even that is being shoehorned in but that's but, being shooting because yeah. they're building up to like the Bucks with the Bucks SCU. And then it's now the Bucks against the varsity blondes. And then it's them against uh, Moxley and Kingston. But uh, I don't know. Yeah, I think I, I agree with you, Scott. Hour two, the, 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 the I mean, well, the, the, the Thunder Rosa thing was kind of a squash. I would kind of throw that out the, uh, out the window. I think the Darby Miro match was a hell of a lot of fun, but uh, that, that pinnacle inner circle thing, we've talked about it before. Like Tony Khan just has a weird, like vehicle fetish where there always has to be something involving a, a weird vehicle and where AEW seems to fail a lot is when they try to do these big moments that WWE does really well. Cause they produce it within an inch of its life. They block it out. They make sure it looks good. You're going to throw Jericho off the top of the cage, produce it, make sure it looks good on paper. Makes sense on paper. This made sense in execution. It looked a little Mickey mouse and you can't look lesser than, um, even the promo itself seemed to go a little long with uh, giving them watches. And, and now you're, you're, you just finished off the SCU thing where SCU is gone. They're not a tag team anymore. And you're doing basically the same uh, stipulation here, which is, Hey, if you guys lose inner circle, you're breaking up forever on the same show. We just watched the team break up forever, like space it out a little bit. Uh, And then I thought the Darby video package was really well done. Him walking around the creepy like skate park he grew up in. Uh, And then Miro beat him with, uh, I don't know if he, if he tapped or the referee stopped it. That was very, very confusing. They were kind of muddied at the end and it was a little drag out in the beginning of Miro just beating up Darby, beating up Darby, beating up Darby. And the ref is like, do you want to go? Do you want to, you know, are you ready to fight? it's a yes or a no. And the referee needed to be like an official pretend it's real. And either you're letting this match happen or you're not, but don't just kind of keep, uh, keep dragging it out. And I want points for, for predicting the exact ending of this, which was going to be everybody comes out. And the next thing you know, it's Lance Archer and Miro. So uh, thank you, Tony, for listening to the show. Yeah, you were 100% right. And yeah, that main event was, was the shit. It was so good. Darby's awesome. Miro's awesome. I, I, mean, I love that. Like, I mean, I, I might watch that match again. It rehabilitated Miro perfectly. I mean, it Should got rid be. of all the stink of the last couple of months. And it's like, oh, you're he's a he's an absolute killer. So, so good. Yeah, my only my, my only thing with um is 
Mike. Um, the only the only thing that uh, my my only hang up with the, the act like you know his version of the accolade at the end um, is Mike. Mike, turn your <laughs> Mike's um, doing an old time radio show in the background. <laughs> it was um, a dark Mike, and stormy us? night. Can you hear us, Mike? A lot of technical issues in this episode. A lot of technical issues. Yeah, my, my only thing is um, when he was doing the accolade, both of his shoulders were down. So, yeah. like, Darby could have pinned him there. I just, like, I just wish that these guys just put their shoulder up a little bit or did the ref do the thing where he put his he put his hand under the shoulder because, you know, I don't know. I've just seen that. We've seen that finish so many times where he, somebody gets accidentally pissed, pinned, especially with Darby Allen. that I'm like, I'm like, oh, are, are they going to, is this going to be another, like, you know, he wins by the skin of his teeth sort of thing. But let's, uh, let's get to high spots, low spots. I'll start off this week. Uh, high spot. I mean, it's been the same thing for the last couple of week, but weeks, but this, uh, this Roman stuff is so great, man. And, and it's like, especially now they brought the new Uso and they didn't like, completely hot shot it like there's some interesting dynamic like because you know eventually the usos are going to be a heel team but they're not like rushing to that immediately and also i want to see if another high spot for me this week was mj <laughs> mjf subtly negging those girls during the pinnacle segment was like one of the funniest things i've ever seen of him just going Ugh! like when they're like we got the loveliest ladies in jacksonville and he's like eh, kind of i guess um <laughs> Cause it's like, it, you know, it was, it was just something we were all kind of thinking. And I, I just thought it was super funny and, and low spots. I mean, look, I, I'll transition this, but low spots were from this show, man. I mean, both Grimmicks, which we're going to talk about and, um, and tales from the Indies were uniquely humiliating, like experiences this week for me to like watch that shit in front of my wife. Um, especially, uh, it, you know, I, I I don't know if there's ever, and we'll get to it, but I think that Tagar may be the worst gimmick of all time. But we'll we'll get into it. So that that's my low points. Uh, Robert, what were your high point low point this week? Yeah, I mean, to, I, I hate to echo what you said, but the the storytelling on SmackDown, where they have they've almost perfected the art of telling a a wrestling story over the course of two hours. You you bring in Jimmy. You, you tease the dissension, you tell it perfectly in more than one segment, whereas on Raw, when they go back to something over and over again on a show, it feels tedious and terrible. On SmackDown, they just seem to be doing it well, and everything is built and progresses logically. Uh, the MJF negging those girls cracked me up even more because I've seen that in action live um, in, in a bar. And I'm like, I knew that hand gesture. I know that facial expression. It was absolutely perfect. My, my low points besides the, uh, the little water spritzer that they drove out to the ring uh, and Dan's dogs. Um, All right, here, just on raw, there was a, uh, there, it, which was a slog to get through and, and almost broke Dan and I, there was a point where they let Mandy Rose and Nia Jax alone in the ring in a multi-person tag match. And they both looked so incredibly lost. And it was really challenging to watch because they've both been on TV for a long time. And when you let them get into that position, you're setting themselves up. You're setting yourself up for failure. And they really need to, to get that together because there's far more talented women on the roster who deserve that time and that opportunity than them. Scott? <laughs> I don't have a dog. Do you guys, do you guys hear over. me now, by the now, way? Yes, we can hear you now. 
Nice. Yeah, we can hear you, Mike. Um, so my high spot this week one uh, high spot is I'm genuinely excited for a WWE match. I think Roman Reigns and Cesaro this weekend will be a lot of fun. I know we're doing it on the Patreon, so listen and all all that shit. Um, also another high spot this week was Will Osprey cut a promo on what is going to be my low spot. He got a promo from his cell phone. It's not a New Japan official promo. Just he posted it on his Twitter and Instagram. But um, my low That's point worse is... than recording a podcast on your cell phone. <laughs> <laughs> That's when Mike did the first half of the show. I'm, I'm, and, I'm uh, traveling. I'm sorry. It's yeah. okay. It's okay. And uh, But my low point is New Japan had to cancel uh, their Tokyo Dome show at the end of this month and uh they were doing a uh, a baseball stadium and they they're pushing both of those back because of covid like a bunch of the guys have covid now so uh yeah that sucks that's my low point but the high point is you got to watch this will osprey uh thing it's just a lot of fun he he somehow makes it work where he he, he just says that okada has like has ties with the government and that's why it's postponed. So he doesn't have to fight him. It's just really <laughs> stupid and fun. And I, I haven't seen a wrestler like mentioned COVID. So it's funny for a wrestler to be like, yeah, you're manipulating the government. I don't know. It's funny to me. I watched it. It was fun. And you know, it's it, AEW's audience during COVID double new Japan's nothing. <laughs> <laughs> um, I oh yeah I forgot to read uh, our Twitter responses this week if I could yeah um, absolutely so in light of the the Cody uh, promo which, which is my low spot um God <laughs> it's just when a nerd thinks he's cool and when he thinks he's patriotic there's nothing worse than that um so I'm gonna read I asked I asked the Twitter first on our our Russell Rose Twitter what should Cody's theme song be? Um, and uh, here's some answers uh, from uh, at uh, Scott Ferry. You talk too much from run DMC uh, <laughs> from at McCoy one, one Oh eight freedom. Isn't free from team America uh, <laughs> from at bill bone steel. I contain multitudes <laughs> from Bob Dylan uh, <laughs> from at Christopher Cornett. No relation. Uh, Aerosmith's Dream On. Uh, <laughs> from uh, Eric Scott, uh, uh, Terminal Franck, uh, anything by the Grateful Dead. Songs just go on and on, and I need drugs to get through them. Uh, <laughs> from at UCD Jedi, uh, right here, right now by Jesus Jones. At Belly Float says, You're So Vain by Carly Simon. <laughs> At, at Neble says, whatever Tony Khan can pick up after he blew all his allowance licensing that Pixie song. <laughs> um, at Casual Chino said, uh, wake me up before you, Anthony Agogo. Uh, <laughs> at Brian Cottle says, Ramblin' Man. Uh, <laughs> this is my favorite one. At Dan Hashi, Don Hashi says, just pick any of Triple H's themes to complete the transformation. <laughs> uh, and uh, at uh, SS Clay Davis says, don't speak from no doubt. Oh, uh, oh this great. one I forgot. Uh, at Huskers 88, we hate it when our friends become successful by Morrissey. <laughs> <laughs> Old Huskers. Uh, yeah, some pretty damn great stuff. Uh, yeah, so that's my little point and my high point. I, I fucking love these uh, Ted DiBiase and Cameron Grimes segments. Uh, this week, it was uh, DiBiase 
buying a uh, house and outfitting uh, Cameron Grimes. Because the, the way they're done, I don't know if I said this, if you guys have watched these, but it makes it seem like like DiBiase is just a figment in Cameron Grimes' imagination. Yeah. <laughs> and it's great. And uh, I can't wait till Cameron Grimes gets to host SNL next year. <laughs> well, the, the weird thing about um, I love that segment too um, but it's, it's just bizarre seeing Ted DiBiase in an auction segment after he had to auction his lake house <laughs> uh, just just I, I guess uh, WWE writers don't uh, don't pay attention to the uh, current events like we do here at WrestleRest <laughs> can, we, can we give credit though man like Ted DiBiase has aged great. Like, it's nice to see, like, a 70-year-old wrestler being okay looking 70. He looks he looks awesome. He will gladly well, Mike, sell you the snake oil he uses. Uh, Mike, we're going to keep it on you because uh, we're going to be uh, – you're going to be taking over Grimmicks this week. Mike picked out which gimmicks we were going to be picking between. And uh, I'll just start off by saying, fuck you, Mike. All right. <laughs> Um, yeah, so you know, we were doing a Lawler thing. I was like, let's stay in Memphis. Memphis has like Memphis don't give a shit about copyrights. Like, if you're wondering why there isn't more re- Memphis wrestling on the WWE network, it's because uh, if you think ECW's rights problems with the songs are bad, like they just flat out steal characters. <laughs> <laughs> they literally have like a Freddy and a Jason and stuff. So, so our characters this week are Gim or Grimmix are Cowabunga, which is the wrestling ninja ninja turtle, and uh, you know which obviously uh, Jerry watched on a date, and uh, and Tagar, who is a man from a volcano. <laughs> um, if you want to yeah, find I, I, Tagar, my other note was that Jerry Waller just clearly wants to book He Man. That's that's <laughs> yeah. what I thought. Yeah, exactly. And uh, but if you if you just type in Tagar into YouTube, what will come up is possibly the worst gimmick in Memphis wrestling history. <laughs> 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 but this was fun. I mean, this was Ole Anderson, right? When you watch the promo, it's very clear. It's that like Black Scorpion Shockmaster Ole Anderson voice. <laughs> was it? No, wait. Was it? It sounded no, it wasn't like him. It. It's just it's just sounding like him. Oh Ooh. wow! And, he, um, and 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 I will say I did. In Tagar's offense, I did pop for the uh, fire elbow spot. Also, also Tagar's fireball out when he gives an elbow drop. <laughs> Tagar's defense sounds like the metal band Dan's in. <laughs> uh, and Cowabunga had like Cowabunga cuts a promo. Calabunga also, um, you could find he wrestled an 18-minute long match with Jerry Law. Uh, sorry, with Jim Cornette. Yeah. You know, because everyone else is killing the business. <laughs> 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 he wrestled an 18-minute match with Jim Cornette. Yeah, dude. It's it's funny, man, because it's like I was into wrestling. I was really into Ninja Turtles. I would have been furious if I was a kid and I went and saw this. I'd be like, that's not a fucking Ninja Turtle. <laughs> and oh, I don't not- <laughs> know, man. It depends on the age because so my cousin uh, had the blue a blue Power Ranger at his birthday party when I was a kid, and I look at the pictures and he looks ridiculous. He look, you know, he looks like a Times Square Elmo type of mascot. 
But I remember yeah, but the, the guy time, playing him was a closeted homosexual, just like the real Blue Power Ranger. <laughs> I remember, I remember at the time being a kid thinking, how the hell did they get the Blue Power Ranger to be at this birthday party? I was genuinely jealous of my cousin. And, and that's why I, I liked the Cowabunga character, because I could see it. I could see a kid liking it. I, I've been to shitty parades. Uh, and, and I believed the things that were walking towards me, you know, when I was a kid. Uh, also, it kind of the storyline makes sense in terms of Ninja Turtles. Like, so th the thing is, he's a turtle who watched wrestling on television. Like, he's a teenage turtle who was inspired by wrestling on TV, which is like that, that kind of works with the Ninja Turtles. The, but, it's, but, it's, but Scott. Like their sewers right next to Madison Square Garden. Why are they fucking going? <laughs> so wait, so what's your guys' vote? Do you think Tagar or uh, Cowabunga is worse, Scott? Tagar is worse. Cowabunga, I mean, it's dumb, sure, but whatever. It really, it just very much feels like whatever. Tagar, I don't even know what it's, what cartoon is it mimicking? He-Man, I think. See, I didn't watch He-Man. I, well, I, I mean, like that type of Beastmaster, like that type of shit. What, what were you saying, Robert? Just ask. Oh, uh, I think Tagar is is one of the best things I've seen in a very long time because <laughs> the, the, the Cowabunga is terrible. Cowabunga is a terrible gimmick because it's obviously it's intellectual property theft, so it's not going to go anywhere. Uh, Dwayne Gill, when he was a wrestling Ninja Turtle, was a better wrestling Ninja Turtle than Cowabunga, who didn't take being a Ninja Turtle seriously. And that was what was upsetting. Tagar, for those of you who haven't seen this, is a volcano monster who has arisen to find champions for him to fight. That is basically, it's better than that shitty new Mortal Kombat movie, which is absolutely awful. It's dog shit. Sorry, Mike. Um, but Tagar has a great, he already has a built-in backstory in one promo. You know exactly who he is. You know what he wants. He comes out and he, and unlike the Fiend, he wrestles as his gimmick. And at one point when he shoots the fireball out of his arm before dropping the elbow, it's fantastic. Uh, if this had real production value, if this was in Vince's hands, this this versus The Undertaker would have main evented a WrestleMania <laughs> and ruined our childhood a little oh further. Tagar is where it's at. It's awesome. It, at least it's like it's a little more creative than like Glacier and Wrath, right? You know, there's like all these like derivative um, characters in wrestling, which we got it. I give credit. The Road Warriors are probably the best example ever of that. Like just knowing that a fat, like hillbilly wrestling promoter went to go see Mad Max. <laughs> what's crazy like, about that? What's crazy about that is, is I've talked to Lance Storm about this, and he's I think he's told the story in one of his podcasts. The whole one of the reasons he became a wrestling fan was he was flipping through the channels and like coming up next the Road Warriors, and he was a big Mad Max fan. He's like, I'm going to stick around and see what this is. And this stupid ripping off of an intellectual property thing hooked him. The Road Warriors came out. They looked like badasses. And he was like, I'm hooked and I'm a wrestling fan. So sometimes that weird crossover ripoff kind of works. Yeah, you just got to have like your own stuff with it. Like I know the Dudleys are based on the Hansons from Slapshot, but it's like then they bring their own shit into it and their own personalities. It's just when it's literally here's a guy in a party city Ninja Turtle outfit. <laughs> I mean, I think you guys are giving way too much of a love letter to, to Gar. Um, I'm firmly in 
the position of Tagar as the worst gimmick. Um, although you hate fun, Dan. Did <laughs> Why Brett, do you hate fun? Did, uh, did Bret Hart steal Calabunga's sunglasses thing? The glasses thing? <laughs> no, he was doing it before. I'm, I'm sure if you you could talk to Bret Hart about Calabunga, you know he wasn't a good worker. He took my sunglasses bit. Uh, you know. Uh, I don't mind all the criminal charges, but those other things I can't forgive. <laughs> Eastman and Laird stole stole that from Stu. He was raising turtles and training them to fight karate long before those guys. Oh, so I, I, I had a moment where I'm like, if Cowabunga takes off his mask and it's Reginald, I'm gonna come in my own mouth. <laughs> I feel I feel like like if you're locked in Stu's dungeon, like the only thing you get to eat is turtles. <laughs> there's like one turtle that it's gonna last you a week <laughs> well folks next week uh for grimix we will be doing vinnie vegas versus oz versus fake diesel it's our first ever three-way grimmick party for show and hell we're going to be watching the super shredder fight from teenage mutant ninja turtles 2 secret of the ood starring big sexy kevin nash as super shredder uh we're also going to do creative is nothing for you we're going to bring that back Robert, if you want to tell us a Kevin Nash story or somebody you work with, I don't know. Sure. Robert just gave me a dirty look. I don't know. I, I, I'm fine with it. I, I'm uh, still not over your your hatred of Tagar, who, by the way, the best part of that match is not only does he win, but Bill Dundee comes out after to attack him, who's the number one baby face in the company. I mean, this is like their Stone Cold Steve Austin. So they knew this guy was going to the top. <laughs> but but in Dan's defense, Cowabunga's costume costs like $35 and Tagar's cost $4. Cowabunga's costume is great because it's clearly all foam padding. So it's an it's a wrestler who doesn't want to take real bumps. Dude, like, I don't I'll, mind it. He does cartwheels and shit. It's kind of fun. I like I, I wish I wish Orange Cassidy was in the Cowabunga outfit this week. <laughs> <laughs> I so didn't yeah. I didn't talk that much about the the second hour of AEW, so I just want to quickly say, did you guys go over how weird the ending was? Like, in the sense that you could have just ended with Darby losing, but then they had to have like everyone run out and like yakety sacks play in the last thirty seconds. <laughs> well, yeah, because because I said that was going to happen last week, and QT Marshall, who loves this show, was listening and was taking notes. And he's like, Mr. Khan, Mr. Khan, I got a great idea for you. <laughs> Mr. Khan. Because it's like, you know, Darby's been champion a while. You know, you could you could have your Empire Strikes Back ending sometimes where Miro's just the champion. Like, no one's upset with Miro winning, I don't think. That was a cool way that he beat him. And Darby looked good. It's like, and then you're immediately, now you have to, like, go, oh, well, I guess he's going to fight Lance Archer in, in, in a week. Okay. Yeah. Double or nothing, right, it's sell itself. Let's get to our final segment, uh, old Scotty Chaplin's Tales from the Indies. Scott will be uh, telling us on Twitter on Wednesday what our next Tales from the Indies match will be. Um, but, man, did he pick a doozy for us. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to pass to Scott. Yeah, so uh, when, we, when we decided to do Lawler for the roast, I knew the indie thing also had to be Lawler because that guy works the indies. Um, so much so, I met him when I was 12 at an indie show. 
and he signed my autograph. Uh-oh. And I lost it like three days later and could care less because I thought, ah, I'm clearly going to meet this guy again. <laughs> like, I, like, like, even then I just knew he would be around. And he is. Jerry Lawler's kind of just around. If you want to meet him, uh, you can. Just go to your, your, your local, uh, you know. Uh, High school. High school. <laughs> he will be there. Uh, yeah, so this week's um, Tales from the Indies is Jerry the King Lawler versus Leatherface. <laughs> it was posted February 6th of this year, and it happened uh, that weekend. It, it happened this year. Um, I know that because there's two people with masks on in this indoor uh, crowd, which is fairly full for February of this year. Uh, two people wearing masks. One of them is Leatherface. <laughs> <laughs> the other is just an audience member and uh it's hell man it's it's jerry lawler wrestling a guy dressed like leatherface but uh and it goes on for about eight minutes and then it turns out to not be leatherface it turns out to be doug gilbert <laughs> the guy who accused him of raping a 13 year old in that pipe bomb shoot we just talked about an hour ago it's him. So it had nobody a payoff. Crowd, you know, nobody in the crowd knows it, but they love it the whole time. That's the one thing I can't knock about this. This crowd oh, is Jerry's over, crazy. dude. Jerry's over. Is Jerry over, or are these people just out? Uh, you know, happy to be out. I don't know what it I is. I think it's both, but... man. I think it's both. He's over. I mean, it's also it's like he's seventy-one. Like he looks good for a seventy-one-year-old. Like the fact, like I think he was doing like indie shows like the month after the heart attack. <laughs> and you know it's i think the fact that like he clearly doesn't need the money but i think he needs that those 500 specific fans adulation (laughs) yeah because he gets it they love does he really does man people love him i don't know where did that take place i didn't even i it it didn't even say madison square garden (laughs) (laughs) Just right so after one of uh, Drake Wirtz's meetings. <laughs> <laughs> well, but I, I, I think it's like, you know, I know we already did Brightside, but it says a lot that you can do a whole episode centered around Jerry in Memphis. When you have like a 40 plus batshit career, you can do Grimmicks, you can do Show in Hell, you can do it all. Yeah, it's man. Fucking, He's done everything. And it's not held against him. It's really impressive. I mean, Flair is like that, too. Like, there's a lot of guys that uh, they're just great. And so it doesn't matter where they show up. It doesn't feel like, you know. The great part about this clip, though, is it was a fan shot video. So you get fan commentary. Oh, they're straight up doing commentary. (laughs) They're doing, but they're not doing commentary like it's ironic. Like, it's there within the world of K-Fan. Like, Jerry, get up. Why is the referee not helping you? Also, holy shit for that fan to know, like Leatherface takes off the mask. And I promise you to most people, it's just some old guy. And then he goes, it's Doug Gilbert. I mean, how the fuck does this guy know? I mean, that guy's better than the new Raw commentator. He knew the product. He was excited. Uh, Did Adnan Kirk, like, he's just, he just reminds me of like Emilio Estevez and the Mighty Ducks. Like, it just feels like he's forced to be doing this. I think he's there to take all the somas so the wrestlers can't get him. (laughs) (laughs) I I, I, I feel, I feel like, you know, Doug, like, you know, the guy who noticed Doug Gilbert's just a fan of the truth. (laughs) 
<laughs> it's the most honest man in Tennessee, Doug Gilbert. That's how we know Dan wasn't there because he didn't call him Eddie Gilbert. <laughs> it's Eddie Gilbert. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I imagine Dan calling Doug Eddie and then apologizing for the next 10 minutes. Look, I'm sorry <laughs> that I thought you were your dead brother. Uh, I know that you're not. Uh, Goddamn, my dogs are barking again. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's not that's not wrong. Um, well, folks, we hope you enjoyed this episode of Russell Roasts. We're going to be back next week with the roast of Kevin Nash. Uh, anything else new to say about Tales from the Indies, folks? Before I no, it? no, no. Just keep sending in your stories, and uh, you know we'll we'll read them if uh, if they don't involve you know again a guy overdosing on pills. <laughs> the no ECW stories. No, no. If, 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 no ECW stories. If you if you met a wrestler and have a funny story, share it with us. If you met a wrestler and it was in the bathroom, keep it to yourself. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> or call the police. <laughs> uh, <laughs> all right, folks. Uh, I am going to be uh, at the end of the month at Arnold's Park Roof Garden Ballroom in Iowa. I'm going to be in Poughkeepsie next month at Laugh It Up Comedy Club. And I'll be a tiny cupboard in uh, Brooklyn on Saturday night. Please uh, rate and review the podcast. We really appreciate you uh, guys, new fans of the show. Um, you know, post about it in wrestling message boards, just, you know, like, uh, spread the word folks. We want to keep, uh, you know, keep doing this. So, uh, so yeah, we're going to have something in sports entertainment with, uh, probably comes out a little bit earlier, but it just depends on when we can get it up. Um, but we're gonna be doing SmackDown instead of raw this week. Next week is gonna be the rest of the Kevin Nash. We got Patreon WrestleMania backlash that drops on Monday. So a lot of really fun stuff, stuff coming up, Scott. Uh, follow me, Scott underscore Chaplin on Instagram and Twitter. And also uh, my buddy who's a wrestling fan uh, made a movie that is wrestling related. Look up Brooklyn Battle Comedy on YouTube. My buddy Lawson made a little movie that that's fun if you're a wrestling fan. Awesome. Check it out. Yeah. Um, listen to our listen to our Patreon. Uh, our, our roast are fucking top notch. I think some of our favorite episodes so uh, I can't stress that enough. If you guys like what we do here, it's worth the money to listen to us talk about Dave Meltzer um, in a very honest way. We say all the things that his wife screams in her mind. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, you can follow me at uh, Mike Lawrence Comedy and... Uh, yeah, thanks for listening. The only time you'll really hear David David's wife's uh, scream is when David's out of town, but it's a totally different type of scream. <laughs> it's a very potty positive scream. It's not you, a... do you do you think Alvarez keeps the headband on or? <laughs> I feel like now that you've roasted him, you start calling him David. Like you got very <laughs> formal. <laughs> Uh, oh, you can follow me on, yeah, you can follow me on Twitter at wwcreative underscore ish and listen to uh, archives of garbage days with Brendan Sagalow because I'm just used to hearing that at the end of every show. Robert, when you get three rejection letters from the Wrestling Observer Hall of Fame, you get to call him David also <laughs> because you know those letters start with "Dear Daniel." I feel like the end of the the end of this podcast isn't going to be us, uh, you know like becoming millionaires, but me just finally able to vote in the Wrestling Observer Hall of Fame. <laughs> <laughs> I would start, I would like to start silently crying if that happened. 
Dave, what did it cost you? Everything. <laughs> yeah, I have to give up Sarah. Yeah, you have to push her off a cliff. And Dan being alone and petitioning for Doink to be in a Hall of Fame was inevitable. <laughs> I just imagine me giving up my marriage so I can join the Wrestling Observer Hall of Fame. Totally worth it. Totally you, you push her off a of, like cliff and then it just like the ballot appears in front of you. <laughs> <laughs> it's Mel- it's Meltzer in the red skull outfit with the <laughs> you, you had you had to do it. I'm sorry. You you had you had to give up something you love. Uh, I gave up eye contact, you gave up a wife. <laughs> <laughs> That's hilarious. All right, guys, we'll see you next week. Thanks so much. 